Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Hey, y'all sound awake. Y'all are way more awake than first service. Good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, take them out and open them with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Uh, We're continuing our time in the last red letters, which are the words Jesus spoke, which in some of your Bibles, they'll be in red uh, because Jesus spoke them on the night before his betrayal and crucifixion. And so as we walk through that, we'll be in John 16. And I want to read with you just a little bit of what Jesus had to say here as we get started. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they're doing a holy service for God. Excuse me. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking me, Where are you going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. You bow your heads with me. Father, be with us today. Jared's already prayed that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would be here among us, that you would lead us as we worship together. So, Father, I pray as we look into your word that you would speak to us. We know you've said you'd be here, but we want you to apply these words that we've just read to our lives. God, help us to understand what they mean, not only for us, but but our friends, for the world around us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna talk to you for a second about a fun word. It's that word conviction. Uh, the, The Holy Spirit will come and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I know some of you are going, oh, great, I came to a worship service about conviction. That's bad enough, right? What are you going to do? I wish I would have uh, pawned this one off on Pastor John or Pastor David, um, but it's the passage that I ended up with. So here we are today. Now, when we hear about conviction, sometimes um, I think we get confused. Uh, Many of us try to avoid conviction um, because it sounds too much like if you you go to the courtroom and you're convicted right? You end up being put in prison. That's not what this word means. This word of conviction is a little bit different. It's kind of like when you've done something and uh, you've done something wrong and it gets pointed out to you that you've done something wrong, right? Now, kind of some of us, even when we think about that, it looks a little bit like this. Can you get the lights for me? Um, so all the lights are out, right? We're, oh, there we go. See the people that are still on their phone? You can tell. Now they're under conviction. Get it? No, I'm just kidding. It's kind of like this, right? Michael, I know what you did. I saw you. Now you're in the light, right? That's what happens. Or 
You know, I can look over here, Connor, straighten up. That's my son, for those of you that don't know. Right? That's what we kind of feel like the Holy Spirit's doing. Uh, Keep the lights down. Let me read you something, though. In John chapter 3, verse 18 to 21, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus at night. Okay, so Nicodemus comes to him at night, and Jesus says, hey, there is no judgment for anyone who believes in him, that is Jesus, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light has come into the world, but people love darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. This word here, exposed, is the same word Jesus uses that got translated, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. So all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that what they're doing is what God wants. So we fear kind of like the spotlight on me. And I know some of you are going, please don't call out my name right now, right? That's not what it means. Here's what Jesus means when he says, you will be convicted. The, 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 this word in Greek literally means to expose. Turn on the lights, guys. It means this, the world will be convicted of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. All of our light, all of our sins, everything that goes on will be exposed to the light. That's what Jesus is saying here. The word for these things being exposed is not, oh, I'm going to pinpoint each and every little thing that you've done. It's that when God comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, his light shines on the whole world. So the, holy, holy, the world will understand the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin. Now, it doesn't say sins. When I started pointing out the little light on you, each of you was thinking, please don't call out my sin, right? Don't name what it is that I've done this week. And some of you, your spouse was sitting beside you going, you better hope he doesn't call out, right, what you've done. Some of us feel like at times it's our job to be the Holy Spirit, Right? Do any of y'all live with somebody like that? It's their job to be the Holy Spirit in your life. Some of you are laughing. Nobody's raising their hand. It's hilarious. My kids feel that way with me sometimes. Here's how it works in my life. We'll be driving along and, and I'll be telling them to stop, do something, or I've, I've noticed something that they've not been doing around the house. And I'm pointing out as a father, right? It's my job to train them and show them and point out things that they've done wrong. And my kids kind of turn the light around and shine it on me and go, isn't that just like when you did Blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, this is about you right now, not about me, right? We don't like that conviction that comes upon us. But let me explain some things. Let's go, can you put back up that word for uh, conviction? Uh, Two slides back. Where we go through and we talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The word in Greek, that word elixai, means to expose. It means to bring something to light. But the Holy Spirit brings something to light in us to convict us, not condemn us. Most of us, when we think of the word conviction, we think of condemnation. I've done something wrong, I need to be punished. This word, alexai, to expose, means to point out something that's not quite right. So let me explain it to you this way. If any of y'all have a new car, I, got, I don't have a car this new, but I rented one the other day where I was driving, and as I was driving, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, and the car keeps buzzing at me. 
I'm like, why in the world is this car buzzing at me? And what it was doing was every time I would go too close to the line, the car buzzes, right? Actually, what was going on is I don't like to use my blinkers, and so I was just going across lines, and every time I would cross a line, it would buzz. Why does that happen? It's because it's kind of trying to help us understand you're getting outside the lane. The buzzing is to help me understand, ooh, I need to be careful with what I'm doing. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is the same way. God does not send the Holy Spirit to convict us in order to condemn us. He convicts us to bring us back to repentance. Does that make sense? So when Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, it also means something else. It's not just pointing out that we've stepped outside the boundaries. It's also beginning to say to us, hey, I want to convince you about something that's right. A conviction can also be something I stand firmly on. Have you ever heard someone say, I have very strong convictions, right? When they say that, that's not necessarily negative. It just means they believe very firmly in that thing. Jesus says to the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict you of three things. He will expose three things to the world. He will help you understand these three things. The first one is sin. The Holy Spirit will convince us of sin. Now, some of us think about sin being the things that I do. You know, I went and I lied or I've, um, you know, whatever. I'm not going to name all your sins. You know your sins. Um, the things that you do. We always look at the little, little things that we do. What Jesus is saying is overarching. All of those things come out of a place of a lack of faith where we don't love God. We don't believe what he's telling us and we do what we want to do. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will begin to convict the world, not just you, not just me, but everyone. The light will shine on everyone, and we'll begin to understand our sin. Now, what Jesus says that sin is, is he said he'll convict them of sin because they don't believe in me. There will be this constant whining inside them, this, this understanding, this knowledge that things aren't quite what they need to be. That conviction is not meant to condemn, but to bring people to Christ. He convicts the whole world of sin. If we believe what scripture says, the Holy Spirit right now, with everyone who's not going to church, everyone who's not sitting and listening to someone share the word of Christ, the Holy Spirit is just still working on them. That he's convicting them of sin, of who God is, of what God has done. The second thing he said he'll convict them of is of righteousness. He will convict them of righteousness. Now, when we talk about this sin and this righteousness, both of these things should be understood within the confines and understanding of love. If we go back to, to John chapter 13, 14, and 15, the chapters just previous to what we're reading, Jesus has been talking to his disciples about how much he loves them, about how much he loves the Father, how much the Father loves him, how much the Father loves them. There's this great sense of God loving us and wanting us to live in his love. So let me read you this out of John 15. Last week, Pastor John preached out of John 15 about us remaining in Christ. And as he walked through kind of what that means and about the fact that there's going to be tough stuff that comes against us in the world, we need to understand what it means to remain in Christ and allow him to remain in us. So listen to this verse, these verses. I have loved you 
even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confine in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. What's his command? If I could sum up all the commands, what's the command? Love one another. That's what I want you to do. Live in my love. If you obey my commands, you know that you love me. Here's my command. Love one another. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, of righteousness. This word for righteousness is actually a weird, another weird Greek word. Um, it can be translated a couple different ways. In the Hebrew, there's one word for righteousness and one word for justice. In the Greek here, the same word's used. It's one word, the kaiosune. It can mean justice is being served. It can also mean I'm living in right relationship with other people. This sense of right relatedness, of living rightly, of living correctly. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, not only will he convict you of sin because... He points to me and lets you know that sin is in the world and those who don't believe in me, they're missing it out. They'll be, they'll be convicted. But the second thing is of justice. Paul tells us when he writes in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus says the world will begin to be convicted, not only that sin exists and sin is lack of belief in me, but the justice is here. Now, what does justice look like? Justice would mean if I sinned, if I've done something, and the wages of that sin is death, then I should be dead. But the Holy Spirit wants to convince us, convict us, expose us to a different kind of justice. And what the Holy Spirit does by shining his light on us is points to Christ on the cross. It says, your sins did demand death, but that death was taken care of on the cross by Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes and he'll convince the world, not just you and me, but the world that Christ loves them. It seems ridiculous to me that I can explain to people that God loves them so much he sent his son to die for them and that by doing so, by accepting what he has done and living in him, that you can accept salvation and live for Christ. It makes sense to me but it seems like if I tried to tell people in the world this, it's just like Greek mythology or something, that they're going to go, this is really ridiculously stupid. But what ends up happening, I'm finding the more and more that I share this with people, is they begin to go, I've kind of been sensing something like that. And I know that that's something I need. The Holy Spirit's already working in the world. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going away and I'm not going to be here, but don't worry. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to begin to work with you and for you out in the world. He convicts the world of sin because they didn't believe in me. He's going to convict the world of 
of righteousness or justice to help them understand that my sacrifice has taken care of their sins. Justice has been served. And the last thing he says, it doesn't sound very exciting, is he will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this age has already been judged. Now I'm going, what's that have to do with anything? Satan has already been judged. I think it was a few months ago, Pastor David showed us a video clip from, uh, from first night, or not first night, which one was it? Something night. Um, and it had uh, this guy going, you have been weighed, you have been tried, and you have been found wanting. Satan has been weighed and tried and found wanting. God has ruled over him. The story is already finished. God has already won. And the world will begin to understand that the ruler of this age has already been judged. He's already destroyed. Things are already done. So when that conviction begins to happen, you and I have the opportunity of living in something way beyond what we normally live in. So what does that mean for you and me? If I looked at the world today and I saw what was going on and I took my eyes off God and I just looked at what's going on in Ukraine, what's happening with disease around the world, uh, what's happening now, not only in Ukraine, but now it seems like other places, crazy things are beginning to happen. It seems like right here in the States, things are getting crazy and you know, inflation may be coming, oil prices going up, all this crazy stuff. There's times where I'm just going, okay, God, can you just come back now? Um, just end all this stuff. We know the end of the book says you're going to come back, you're going to restore a new heaven and a new earth. Now would be a pretty good time. Okay, can you just do that? Seems really great. Uh, there's times that I can sit at home and I begin praying um, for you all. I've got uh, the cards that you all gave me uh, about a month ago. And as I pray through all those, it's been exciting to see the ways that you're praying for your own life and the ways that you're praying for your church. But there's also times where it gets kind of heavy, where I look at some of the things we're going through as a people, uh, family members that are sick and that are ill, um, loved ones whose marriages are falling apart, people who are fighting to save their home, people who fought and, and lost in that fight and they've, they've lost uh, the marriage that they had that they said, till death do us part. And there's this ripping and tearing. And I read through those things. As I'm praying, I'll be honest, there's times I can get depressed. And while I'm going through them, I'm like, good grief, God, just come back now. Look at what all is going on in the world. And as I continue praying, there's times I, I set the cards aside. And I look in my scripture and I begin praying. And God begins to speak to me. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict me. Not just about my way of thinking, but he begins to say, Dale, Yes, there's all those things that are going on in the world, but guess what? You know the end of the story. You know that I'm working in the midst of that. And he begins to point out that in the midst of all the terrible things that are going on, there's also healings that are taking place. There are marriages that are being restored. There are people who are turning their eyes back to Christ and miracles are happening in their families and in their own lives. But okay, it depends on where I put my eyes what I begin to see. So at the end of John 16, here's what Jesus begins to say um, to the people that were there with him. This is some good stuff. Starting at verse uh, 16. In a little while, you're not gonna see me anymore. But a little while after that, you'll see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me and I'm going to the Father. Is this some sort of cosmic game of hide and seek? What is he doing? What does he mean in a little while? We don't understand. 
Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while, you won't see me again, but in a little while, you would see me. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So now you have sorrow, but I will see you again. And then you, rejo- you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. And that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive it and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at last, finally, you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand, you know everything. There's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus looks at them and says, do you finally believe? But the time is coming and it is now here when you will be scattered, each one of you going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you may have many trials and sorrows. Isn't that an exciting place to end end the chapter? Thanks, Jesus. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. Some of us seem to forget that. One of my favorite books, it's going to sound like I'm a sadist or masochist here. One of my favorite books is a book called The Road Less Traveled. And the opening line of The Road Less Traveled says this, life is hard. That's the first line of the book. It says the quicker that you can accept that, the easier life will become. But you have to first accept that life is hard. Many of us live our lives thinking life's going to be super easy. I'm going to accept Christ. And once I accept him, that's why life hasn't been easy. Once I accept him, now life will be super smooth and super easy. And so we, we ask Christ into our life. We ask him to forgive us of our sins. We ask him to save us, to make us what he wants us to be. And we go, once I've done that, now life will be smooth. Jesus never said that. In fact, he says, hey, you're my closest followers. He's looking at the 12 and he tells them, hey, guess what? In this world, in this life, you're gonna have a lot of sorrows. Then he adds this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You and I have the opportunity of living a life of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit that Christ talks about. He mentions in this chapter, guess what? It's kind of like the pains of a woman giving birth. Now, I've never given birth. Praise God. Um, So I don't know the pains of having given birth, but I've heard about it. I've heard about it. I've seen it on TV. And I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. No, no. I've walked and I've seen the pain. What Jesus is basically saying is, you're going to go through pain in this life. It's going to be tough. 
But guess what? I have overcome the world. Many of us in our lives struggle because we think life's going to be super smooth. And if it's not super smooth, I must have messed something up. Folks, the world itself is messy. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of three things. Number one, of sin. Not all your little sins that you've committed, but the sin inside you that causes you to commit those sins. It's the sin that says, I'm gonna do things the way I want. I'm not gonna love God fully the way he tells me to. I'm gonna do it the way I want to. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of that, realize that conviction is like that little buzzer on your car that's going, you're heading outside. Don't say, why does he keep buzzing on me? Why is he wanting to get me down? Why is he convicting me? He's wanting to help you lead the life that he's called you to live. Doesn't mean that things aren't gonna be rough. Things are gonna get tough in the world. Christ has said it's gonna be rough. In fact, he starts out, I mean, last chapter as Pastor John was speaking, you're gonna be, you're gonna be persecuted. Things are gonna be rough. And Jesus continues in this chapter to say, man, people may think they're doing something for God and they're not when they're coming against you but it's okay. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, of justice, of what he wants to do in and through your life. And not only of that, but the ruler of this world has been judged already. You and I, at times, I think the struggles that we have, the places that we fall, the places that we stumble is because of two things. Number one, we spend more time listening to the television and listening to the things of this world and the ruler of this world that has already been judged, then we do the Holy Spirit. He tells you, you know, life should be great. Life should be awesome. Here's the way you're gonna get happiness. And the Holy Spirit's going, you're stepping outside the lines. But we still wanna listen to the ruler of this world because it looks like the things in this world aren't going really good right now. God, it doesn't seem like you have control. He's going, y'all don't know the end of the story. I've got control. I'm taking time so that you all can come to me. This world is going to give you trouble. In this world, you're going to have strife because there's a whole bunch of you living down here that aren't living the way you need to. Life's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But guess what? The ruler of this world has already been judged, so don't believe the junk you're hearing. And even though it seems tough, take heart because all the things that you see and hear in the world, I have already overcome. I'm gonna ask if you would to stand with me and bow your heads. I have a feeling there may be somebody in here today or somebody watching online that may wanna say, Father, I've, I've understood your conviction. You've come to me and you've begun to point out things in my life that aren't quite right. Father, I've not been listening to your voice. I've run from it. I don't like that feeling. It makes me feel terrible. It makes me feel horrible. But also understand you're helping me to love you and live the ways that you've called me to. So Father, I pray that you would help me not to live in the place of condemnation where the ruler of this world is telling me that I'm judged like he's judged. Lord, help me to step out of that and into your love to allow you to forgive me, to allow you to live in me in such a way that my life is transformed, that my life is made new. 
God, I'll admit right now, the things of this world seem rough. They don't seem to be going the way that I want them to. So God, even in the midst of that, help me to turn my eyes to you and to allow you to remind me that you have overcome sin and death and the grave, that through your death and resurrection, you have brought me new life, that I would live in that, that I would walk in that. If you've been praying that prayer along with me as I've prayed, I just pray that you would turn to Christ right now. You can lift your eyes, you can keep your head bowed. If you're watching online, you can get up from the kitchen table and kneel right where you're at and just say, Father, live in me fully. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to convict me personally about what you want to do in my life. God, help me as I look out in the world to realize your Holy Spirit is calling everyone. Help me to know where you want to use me in the lives of others so that they can be drawn to you as well. Father, I pray right now for all my brothers and sisters that are here, for those that are under the sound of my voice, that wherever they are at right now, that, Lord, you would come to each of them as you see fit. Lord, I know sometimes you come upon me like a roaring lion, telling me where I've stepped out of line, getting me back in line. Sometimes, Lord, it's just that little nudging, that little buzz that reminds me to stay inside the lines. God, help me to understand that inside those lines is where your love is most full. Help me to understand what you want to do in and through me. God, I pray that you'd help me not to push away that little voice that says, hey, walk this way. You stepped out of line. That I wouldn't push you away, but I'd allow you to work in and through me to make me completely and fully what you want me to do. Finally, God, help me to understand that in between those lines where you're calling me, where you're having me walk, in the midst of your obedience is the place where I can find joy. All these things I ask and I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now we're getting ready to sing, okay? And here's what we're gonna sing about. We're gonna sing about living in the fullness of what God has for us. We're gonna live and sing about having conviction about what God has told us to do. These things where we stand that we know to be true. The Holy Spirit's coming to convict of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Here's why he does it. Christ tells us there at the end of the chapter, he does this in and through us for this reason. Number one, that his joy might be in us. It might, might seem like in this world right now, things are tough, like a woman who's having birth, giving birth. It's tough, it's painful, it's not what you want. But he says, guess what? In similar fashion, the way that that is exchanged for joy when the baby is born, Christ is wanting to do something in and through you that brings you a joy that goes beyond the junk in this world. Here's what I can tell you. These last couple of weeks, as I've watched Ukraine, as I've watched all the other junk in the world, I've had moments of being, I don't know, I haven't been to the doctor, so I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I probably was. Just frustrated looking around at the things of this world. 
and the more that I'm sitting there, God can, continues to draw me in and show me what he's doing and what is happening in the world. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling joyful again. And then I watch the news, and guess what happens? I'm sad again, and things are horrible, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I start praying and spending time in God's word, and he reminds me he's already won, and that things are turn out great, and everything's going to be all right. And I'm like, great, I'm so super happy, and everything's great. And then I watch the news again. I talk to some of y'all. Do you get what I'm saying? You know how I start staying in between those lines? It's by singing praise to God, by reminding myself of what he has done, by putting myself in a place where I'm not listening to the ruler of this world that's already been judged, but I'm letting God do in and through me what he wants to. Are you hearing me, church? So let's live in that joy. We're going to sing right now. Join us as we sing. Sing as loud as you can. I don't care if you sound like I do. Just sing. What are you laughing at? Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.